This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I always have a diverse uh, group of guests on this podcast, and I have a guest that we've tried to get together a few times. She whizzes through Los Angeles. I don't even, it's almost like she's on this shopping spree, but <laughs> uh, Blair White, thanks for joining. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. This is our definitely second or third attempt, but I get to LA, I'm in and then I'm out. Yeah. You know? So, but we got this time. We're here. Yeah. And Blair is. Uh, marches to her own beat in many different ways. And I would say you've chosen a path or a path chose you, depending on how you look at it, that, um, and I, I find you extremely resilient. That's why I was excited to have you on this podcast is of anyone kind of online, social media for you. I mean, you're transgender. Mm Mm-hmm. You uh, do not subscribe to what I would say a majority of people subscribe to who are LGBT. Yeah. And you're very vocal about your opinions. Yeah. Sometimes too vocal. Have you always been like that? Yeah. Yeah. Ever since I was a little kid, nothing could be said in a classroom around me. If I had an issue with it, I was going to – I'd be polite and raise my hand, but I'd say something. So I've always been like that. And and you – so explain kind of like you you have a huge YouTube platform. You basically go head to head with anyone that kind of messes with you, so to speak. I mean, like if somebody tries to come for you, I feel like you do not back down. Well, no, you can't back down because once you're in it, you're in it. But also I actually do let people come for me because I feel like I have nothing to prove to people. But if it's a topic I'm passionate about, I don't back down. What topic are you most passionate about right now? Um... I think you can sum it up by just people. And then you break down all the ways in which humans interact with each other. That's Mm. what I'm most fascinated with. So social and political issues, you know, trans issues, racial issues, issues with women and men. Like, I'm very big on, like, that. Social issues. Always Evolving is brought to you by Cast Centers, which is a company and organization very close to me. I founded Cast Centers over 17 years ago. We provide the best evidence-based practices for therapy, mental health, addiction. Anytime you're struggling or you have a loved one who is struggling, make sure you go to our website at www.castcenters.com. C-A-S-T centers.com. Give us a call. We're here to help. We'll help you with a free assessment and let's get your mental health on track. What would you describe was a period of your life that was kind of the most challenging for you? Oh my God. 
right now. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably my late teens. That was those were some dark years. Why Had is some that? dark years, but there are some darkest years. Was the late teens? Why were they dark? Um, so there was a series of. We're just gonna jump right in. Let's do there it. was a series of very traumatic things that happened between. 18 and 19 for me. So one was I was raped at 18. Uh, my dad died like six months later, early 2019. And then I um, started transitioning. So that wasn't a traumatic thing. That was a very healing thing. But it was also a very like intense thing. So um, those were very transformative years. But it was a lot of darkness that led up to the light, basically. And now my life is just like amazing. So it was crazy. So just because I think it's extremely relatable is like when when you say rape yeah. at 18 was that the only time you had experienced that in your life and kind yeah. of it was what did you do after so um my rape was very it was the definition of rape it was like someone forcing you it wasn't like oh i got like a not that there are less valid forms of rape or less intense it's all a violation it's all evil but there it was very like violent it was like a rape like i was held against a tree and raped um wow. so that happened at 18 and i had never had sex or anything either before that so i was a virgin wow. um and i really buried that for a while and then i kind of years later had to address the trauma from it and i'm over it now it affects me zero percent um but yeah, that happened, and then my dad died, and when that happened, I felt like I had to really address... Was this someone you knew? Um, no, it was someone I went on a date with. Yeah. And and you had never had sex, and at the time, were you transitioning or no? No, it was right before. Yeah, it was rape, dad died, and transition. None of them were related, of course, but it was just trying to paint the picture that it was an intense couple years. And did you talk about it right after? No, I didn't tell anyone for years, actually, I don't think. Um, I tend to the way I deal with problems in general is hold stuff in and then it just comes out not in an explosive way, but I, I hold it in for as long as I have to just, and then eventually you start talking about it. what was the moment you started talking about it? Um, I think I told my mom, I think she was the first one and no mom wants to hear that. So she of course was like boohooing and it was horrible to hear, um, became kind of about her feelings and. Her experience, or yeah, not, not in a bad way though. Um, but you know, I'm I'm good about that. It's like I understand that if I tell my mom something, it's going to be different than if I tell my friend it. So if I tell my mom something, instantly the way she's going to process it because she's a parent is, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? So I understand that even when she has a hard time with things, I have a hard time with. Mm. She has to process them too. Like when I transitioned, it's like I think that people don't really necessarily make enough room for the fact that, like they're kind of going through a loss if you're a parent of a kid transitioning in the sense of like, I'm not going to be your son anymore. That has mm. to hurt, you know? So I try to, without letting someone make it about them, I acknowledge that they have to process it as well. So, and I don't mean to be too heavy, but your story's a bit heavy. Your Go dad, ahead. Your dad died and and what did he die of? Uh, cancer. And, and it was super close? sudden. Uh, no, no. We had really bad relationship at the end. Mm. Um, but it was a lesson to really appreciate people while they're here. I think I'm a lot better at that now, you know, because when he died, I think that one of our last interactions was like a fight, like a verbal argument. And that's not a good feeling. It's like fight today, gone tomorrow. That's ugly. So now um, I'm a lot more aware that people can be gone like that. Hmm. So I appreciate people and take the time to like really communicate to that. I appreciate, appreciate them. So and then the transitioning happens and you start doing hormones, mm -hmm. right? 
and that becomes really difficult. That's why I'm saying you're very resilient. I didn't know these other Survived details a lot. because on top of that, and then if if any of you follow Blair on social media, it's there's a lot of uh, uh, I find you fasting because you march to your own beat. I find anyone interesting that kind of marches the path that uh, doesn't have a big trail in front of it. Yeah. And they kind of uh, get excited by creating their own trail and yeah. and then realize that they're pretty good at it and people really engage with it. And, um, and so after your dad passes and you've gone through rape and you're transitioning, it had to have been... Oh, what a doozy, yeah. Um, it, but you know what? Like... Even though I'm so open talking about this stuff, I'm open talking about it because I've overcame all of it. That's the point. You know, mm. it's like my life right now is like a fairy tale and it has been for years. Like I'm so happy. And maybe that's because I had to experience such darkness to come out of it. Yeah. And like I live every day on my own terms. I wake up and I say, well, what do I want to do today? And I can just do it, which right. is like amazing. I mean, within reason, I'm not a billionaire. I'm not like I'm getting on a private plane and going wherever. Um, but you know, I, I live my life for me and my own boss and that's been beautiful. And, um, you know, transitioning really opened up my life and healed a lot of things, Right. not to make it seem as though it's the answer to everything, but a lot of what didn't make sense prior made a lot of sense once I just acknowledged like, oh yeah, I'm trans and I should probably just deal with that, get it out of the way and mm. then live life. So transitioning, when you say a definition is kind of bi- transitioning from biologically being a man yeah, to- male to female. To, to female and what would you say has been the most difficult thing in your transition journey mm, the most difficult thing probably saving up the money to do it really yeah it's expensive like i wish i had some deeper answer but probably just that and even that i'm I'm very lucky in the sense that it happened quite quickly for me like youtube pretty much paid for my transition within a year of doing it wow yeah i started and then i think a year later i was like oh i have the money in my account to do this so I did and never looked back and I don't have any regrets. And it was the absolute right decision for me. And you're in a relationship now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a fiance named Joey and we've been together for five years. Five years. Five years. I remember five years. Yeah. Five years. So you, you were, were you with Joey before you started transitioning? No, he was actually a subscriber. No way. My channel. It was yeah. a fan. Yeah. Which they say not to do. Who's they? Right. That's what I always say. Who's they? When you say so, who's they, so, who's they? So a fan of you on YouTube started messaging you or mm-hmm. sending like comments? Yeah. He would be like in my live streams and like trying to get my attention. And what would he say? Um, Just like sweet nothing. Like you're so beautiful, beautiful. and blah, blah, blah. And then one day I had like posted that I was like going to LA for business or something. And he was like, um, we should meet up and hang out. I'm like, okay. I didn't really know anyone here at that point. So I was like, I'll hang out with this random person, which is... A little scary. Maybe don't do that. But uh, it worked out. And five years later, everything's good. So. How quickly did you fall in love? A month, I think. Month. Yeah, it was super quick. We moved in three months after meeting. Also another... My life's not the blueprint, you know? I kind of stumble through and I find my way to the other side and it somehow works out great for now. Um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff I've done has been really just like luck, including that, you know, meeting someone online and moving in three months and Somehow it works. And what does Joey do? Does he work? Uh, he's together? a producer, and he is in between Hollywood and Austin, which where I live now. And is it is it more difficult uh, for you in general? 
because look, I've I've been in a relationship recently, and it, it's kind of interesting. It's it's this idea of being sexy for our partner, or sexy for strangers we don't know, right? Yeah, like, that's such a thing, right? It's interesting because at the end of the day, the most important thing is to be really uh, present. And although our partner will be attracted to us for who we are, I think sometimes our motivations can kind of go in different directions. And I imagine you as a female and in a very um, uh, loud landscape and you are beautiful, you you know, you are beautiful. Um, Is it take a lot of work to stay beautiful? A lot of surgery, a lot of hormones, a lot of, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it has cost a lot of money for surgery and shit like that. Can I swear on here? I'm so yeah, sorry. of course. Okay. Um, but I think it's more so it's just a byproduct that I'm also in an industry that's visual. Like we're here on camera, so I'm not going to just come looking any kind of way. Um, so I guess he gets the benefit of like I'm always going to be relatively put together because of that. So um, I also think that being on camera has changed my self-perception a lot in the sense that like I never had filler and stuff before being on camera, you know, like I always had the goal of transitioning, but that's a little separate than like the beauty stuff of like lips and, and filler and stuff like that. So I've definitely fall, I fell into like the LA, like getting a lot of stuff done thing for a while. And now I'm kind of letting it all dissolve now that I'm in Texas where it, it maybe looks a little much. crazy, you know, yeah, it's different. The hair is a little different. Yeah. I think the filler still exists. The filler still exists, but maybe not to the same extent sometimes as, although some of those older Texas housewives but I guess that's the point. They're older. So, so you, what is like your workout routine? Um, I just try to go to the gym when I can. I'm usually there like five days a week. I just do cardio and stuff uh, like that. Um, but there's another thing I overcame was an eating disorder. I had that for a while in LA too. I got super thin, wasn't eating like how I should have eaten. Um, but I think that's just natural kind of living here, which is kind of sad to say. A lot of people fall into being overly conscious. What, what was the driver for the eating disorder, you think, though? Like, was it that you would somehow be more in control or accepted or more beautiful or what was kind of... I think all of the above. Mm. Um, I have a big thing with control. I actually identified this the other day because um, I was on a flight coming here. And flying never gets easier for me. I don't know why. I've always been so fearful of flying. And I fly a lot. <laughs> it just never gets easier. Every yeah. flight, every takeoff, if, if I don't have a friend... Or Joey or someone there to hold my hand. I'm holding hands with a stranger. And how sick is that? That you ask a stranger to hold your hand on a flight? Like, I don't know. It's, could be it's fun. a little intimate. I mean, it's a little intimate. You get the right person. It could be fun. Like, it's interesting. You. The problem is you're going to, if you hold their hand, even as a friend, you're going to engage in that conversation for three hours about what do you do for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a little dangerous. Yeah. And it's not always holding hands. But sometimes, like, I'll just be like, um, you know, I'm really bad with takeoffs. Would you mind just, like, talking to me through, like, something? Um so, but anyway, like I was saying, the fears I've identified are flying. I'm afraid of cops. Not that I've ever broken a law. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I've never even been arrested, never had any issues with cops. But there's something about a cop identifying that I'm doing something wrong, taking me to jail, that really scares me. Mm. And it's irrational because I don't do anything wrong. But I think it's the fear of not being in control, that a cop can just take me off the street, take me to jail, mm. that I can just have the pilot want to crash the plane. God forbid. So it's control. Control, yeah. And, and with how did you get out of being anorexic? Um, did you go to therapy? No, no. Never I, go. Have you been to I, therapy? Or you have to when you transition. But other than that, in California, you don't actually. Which no, is probably actually a bad thing. Minnesota, yeah. you did. I remember. Um, 
But um, I have been to therapy for other things. I'm having issues with uh, Joey for a while that we got therapy for and we fixed them. Um, but how I got over the eating disorder was I think I was able to just kind of pull myself out of it and say, this is stupid. Like, why am I... Why am I hurting myself? Like, that's dumb. Everything I've done that's to like... It. You t- literally just said, this is stupid. Yeah, and you not, yeah, out of not it. to be insulting to people who are suffering with it. It's not dumb that you're suffering with it at all. But it for me, I made the connection that like, I've worked so hard to be myself. I've come so far in my life. My life has been a 180 from the misery to the happiness. Why am I hurting myself? Hmm. You were know? you with Joey at that time? Yeah. yeah. And While he, you were anorexic. Yeah. And he was seeing it too. And he was like, you know, you could eat. And I'm like, yeah, I could, but I don't want to. So he, we have a very specific dynamic in the sense that like, and he would admit to this, I'm not saying anything that would be insulting to him. I have a lot more power in the relationship. So he has a lot harder time telling me if something's wrong and kind of taking the charge and being like, no, this needs to stop or be fixed. When you say power, you mean kind of the, cause they say there's like masculine and feminine. I'm, oh, I'm lisping like crazy right now. Masculine <laughs> and drunk? feminine energy. <laughs> Like in terms of, and it has nothing to do with gender. It has to yeah. do with decision making. It yeah. has to do with, um, <clears throat> like Tony Robbins talks a lot about it. Our last guest, Gina DeVee, talked about it. And it's the energy of taking control kind of in the relationship. And you would say that's what you do. Yeah. I think it's um, when you enter a relationship as like, a YouTuber and a fan, there's already an established power dynamic, right? Mm. And that's dissolved over time because he doesn't see me as anything other than his fiance now. But I think that that kind of carried over to this day in the sense of like, I kind of like run things in the relationship, which can be toxic because you have to learn to let go a little bit too. How old are you? 28. And how many uh, relationships have you had? Three. Got it. So you've, yeah. you've and they've several. all been long term. I'm a long term person. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, you, when are you getting married? Did you guys decide? I don't know. I'm kind of, um, and we've been actually had a long engagement since 2018. So it's been four years, actually. I used to think it was scary to be married to the same person, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, forever, forever. But then I, I kind of think it's possible. Um, even though I know a lot of people have accomplished it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though when people propose to another person and often it's almost just I suppose another level of commitment that really is being presented when the wedding hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It's been presented as it's yeah. almost like the the we are committed. And so now we need to figure out a date, but that's almost another level commitment, of commitment. Yeah. Right. And I'm not a planner either. I don't like living life planned like even um like when i told you i was coming back to la like i found out like 10 minutes prior i was like yeah let me let me message i need a message and and i'll come out like i don't i don't like planning stuff long term i like just living my life like each day is different um i like having things to look forward to though i'm very much like a i need fun events to look forward to in the future you want kids um i go back and forth I, i there was a period where i really did and I'm right now in a period where I kind of really don't. Mm. You you say that you've entered into a lot of political commentary or social commentary. Mm-hmm. What kind of got you in that space or into that conversation? Well, it's interesting because I think that people, um, depending on who you are, know me for different things. So before we started, you mentioned like, well, you don't do that much politics. But there are people that like only know me from that. Mm. And then there are people that only know from the trans stuff. And then there are people that only know yeah, me from the Yeah, because you'll be on Fox. like Fox News you, won't you at times haven't you um never done fox news actually no you haven't. no no pretty sure i'm blacklisted probably because i'm trans 
Well, I know you you'll do all the other like kind of like bench. Yeah, yeah like, I do like I've 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 collabed with most major right wing political commentators, um, and that's been awesome. But uh, and have you done any on the left or on the right? Yeah, I've done a lot of left. It, it's harder to get people to kind of bridge the gap. Mm. So people talk to me on the right a lot easier because I just identify that way politically. Um, getting someone that they know is going to disagree with me. Also, I'm kind of a bitch online. Like I'm a loud mouth and I think people are scared of me. Even though I'm very nice, I think people can be scared of me. So so when you say you're politically right inclined, what does that mean? I'm center right. So I have um, some liberal social views for sure. How could I not? I'm trans. Um, but fiscally, definitely conservative um, when it comes to foreign policy. Um, so much stuff. So... Seems like it's almost what's the priority in your life, right? Yeah, because... I, I pay taxes, so. <laughs> <laughs> so right now it's paying ta- It's not social issues. No, it is social issues that I desperately care about. Um, okay. So I talk about them. Um, but I'm not going to compromise my views on everything else because I have social liberal views. I'm, I'm a nuanced person, you know? Yeah. And do you find that it sometimes is difficult or frustrating to talk to certain people on the right because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's I, so... I'm by no means under some, you know, misconception that, like, everyone on the right is, like, my friend or, like, yeah. you know, like, there are definitely some assholes on the right and and people like me tend to make them pop out because people don't know how to necessarily process. It's not like there's a lot of just yeah, like, right-wing I trans people... Looking- I was, and I don't know a lot about this, so maybe you can educate me, but I know the whole thing with DeSantis in Florida, the no gay, uh, what is it, like a law they're trying to do, so you can't talk about sexual... They they call it the don't say gay bill, but it's actually not called that, and the word gay doesn't actually appear in the bill at all. What does it tell me? um, The bill is exclusively designed to stop K through third graders from being educated about sex and sexuality. About sex and sexuality. And gender identity. So basically, um, there was a curriculum at the time in Florida prior to mm. this bill where kindergartners through third graders could be talked about, could have discussions about um, being gay and being straight, being transgender, gender identity, non-binary, all that stuff. And Florida said, after third grade, you can. Before that, you can't. The That's only, the, and, and I understand talking about sexuality. I suppose, I don't know why, I mean... To be honest, it would have helped me probably back in my time. I didn't have social media, so I didn't even know what gay was. Yeah. Um, and I still didn't know going through junior high even. And it was uh, – I had therapy a day, and we were actually talking about how I developed this really uh, extreme core belief um, that uh, around hate for myself because I uh, just – there was all the evidence that it was wrong, right? Yeah. And I think – the interesting thing is, for me, I could say if I would have seen a cartoon with, I don't know, two Smurfs who were men who kind of dug each other and, you know, maybe they adopted a kid. You would have said, I, oh, I would have like, oh, they exist, right? Um, and I don't know what it's like for, you know, people today, but I, but I just, even with like someone being uh, trans and then seeing, like, I guess what it's just interesting to me how it becomes like this giant megaphone where really, I mean, is it, does that mean they can't show two Smurfs who are dudes until after third grade? Do you know? 
I think, and granted, I, I don't live in Florida, so I don't know exactly how it's coming into fruition with like real world, like, okay, what can and can't. But I think that what it was the response to was an uprise in a lot of like activist teachers who were coming in and talking about specifically gender identity. Mm. And and I, as a trans person, I think that that can confuse people, kids that young. I think that if you're introducing ideas of like, you know, surgery and hormones, K through three, stop. And anything a little older than that, I think more than anything, it's important to just teach kids, like, accept people who are different, be mm. kind to people. And I think, you know, I think if it was something cute, like too smart, I think that's cute. I like that. Yeah. Like just basic, you yeah. know, because growing up, I don't know. All I saw was Cinderella. I also I'm think sure... gay is very different than trans. I think kids can process For that sure. a lot easier. For sure. And I think that in a lot of ways, like, I think it's very important to have gay representation for young kids. And I think that's a very separate thing. So if anything, that's more so annoying that they're lumping it in because I don't think it's the same. Yeah, I it think feels that, like it's this almost as if it's this um, radical. Yes. Like we're really, in my opinion, it should just be the day of the times. Like we have gay people, we have straight people. I don't, I, I imagine, and I'm not an expert on this, but for someone who's trans, there's a lot that happens as they're going through puberty and actualization and realization and yep. it's a process and you're right like it it is interesting that gays and trans get lumped in yeah together yeah when we're so different we're so different there's a and, camaraderie but we're different yeah there's a camaraderie because we all have suffered and we all know su what it's like to be the other yeah but but i think trans it's a whole other level it's separate as be, hell yeah like of having to be another that is like a whole other challenge like i respect so much people who transition and and who have had to go through the process because that is so difficult yeah. and it's uh such a battle um and it's just if you look at the suicide rates it's the highest amongst trans if you look at the the highest levels of prostitution violence the, and, yeah. the vi i mean you look at all of the statistics and the fact that you've been able to carve your own path and be you know in texas with a fiance and have love and get through a lot of the things that were haunting you is why i say you're resilient thank you because it's not easy at all yeah it's it's, it's not um and i think that I was talking about this the other day. I was talking about like, you know, it's crazy how much stuff I have been through and I like forget. Like I, I literally just forget because my life is so great now, but I wouldn't take back anything I've ever been through. Like I went through extreme and this is where um, gay people and trans people definitely relate is like bullying in school. I went through a lot of that. Mm. Like I was the the F word in school and getting jumped and getting beat up, fighting every day of my life. And looking back, it's like that was horrible, but I would never take it back. It's made me such a fighter. How could I have survived everything else I've been through if I wasn't bullied in school? Not saying bullying is right at all. Do not bully. And if your kid's a bully, you need to check your kid. But you refuse to be the victim is what you're saying. Exactly. And um, even though it shouldn't have happened, I can take what did happen and grow from it mm. and, and learn to be a fighter and get through life like so much more effectively. So what would have been helpful for you growing up in any way, in a school, at any age? That's a good question. Um, Probably nothing, but that's probably just because of who I am, not necessarily because I'm trans. <laughs> in the sense, there's <laughs> nothing except the things you cannot change. Yeah, yeah, right? just just learn to deal with it. Um, I was such a weird kid in the sense that, like, one of my first realizations growing up was that everyone around me was stupid. Like all the authority figures, the teachers, 
my parents in some ways. It sounds so mean. My mom's a lovely woman, but they had no idea what they were doing. I was told at a very young age that like my natural disposition of being feminine was wrong because it's not like I learned to have a voice like this or walk like this. This is me at four. I was getting called the F gay slur at four before I even knew what it was. And how did you digest that? Like, how did you make sense of it? I thought everyone was stupid. I was like, really? oh, these people are dumb. And I'm glad I knew that. I was like, oh my God, everyone's so dumb. They think I'm like choosing to walk like this. They think I'm like choosing to sound like this. Clearly I'm not, you know, whereas other people were internalized that and maybe have like the self-hatred or, or whatever. Yeah. I never had the self-hatred. I had like, oh, I'm better than all these people. Like how dare wow. they? This is, I got to get the hell out of this town. So. I think, I think for me, maybe what kind of stuffed it in was being, you know, going to playing basketball, football, going with a homecoming queen Oh, trying to fit in, growing up in Orange County. Playing the game. Playing the game because I just was thinking, this is the game I'm supposed to play. I kept thinking at some moment I was going to be straight. So even after I started having feelings for men. Not happening, I thought, No, and I kept looking. I had a guest on this podcast, Brooke Burke, and she's a friend. And I told her, I was like, if, you know, I wasn't attracted to her. I knew I was gay because everyone at the time. she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous, so. yeah. Or like, you know, you had her, you had Pamela Anderson. So if you like that curve, you had yeah. a different curve. You had the Kate Moss look. You got every flavor. You had every flavor. And you don't flavor. want any of them. Yeah. So, so you, um, so, so in terms of how you deal day to day with being on social media and coming up with content and having a career in this, like, do you ever get burnt out by it? Yeah, but I let it happen. I don't fight it. There's no sense fighting it. You can't you can't outburn when you're burned out. You know what I mean? Or you can't undo it. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to a point and I guess I'm just lucky in the sense that like my audience is so dedicated that if I don't post for a week, they don't forget about me. If anything, they want it more. So it's like um I've been able to really sustain on like a, a kind of like a cult fan base because I am so niche. In the sense of like, there are no other trans people doing the content I do. So it's like, I can go a while if I'd have to without posting. And people are like, she'll be back. Yeah. You know, and I've also been doing it for six years now. And I think I've hit that kind of sweet spot where I've been doing it long enough that if people are already buying in and my fan now, they're not, they're, they're, they're in for it. I think, I think I heard you say at some point you're banned from TikTok. Mm -hmm. And why were you banned from TikTok? I was banned from TikTok for saying that I don't think it's transphobic if people don't want to date trans people. Mm. Which is like, I don't know why I can't have that. Opinion. Did you get like a message saying, hey, Blair, you, you. Um, y yeah, it was like a community guideline thing for. So off one video, you got banned. Yeah, it was for spreading hatred, which is like, what's hateful about that? If anything, I'm trying to give people the room to be who they are. You know, like, I don't think that if you were to say, oh, actually, I'm not into trans women because I assume you're not. Um, I'm going to call you a transphobe for that. Like, that's stupid. That doesn't make any is sense. It, do you think it's because so many people report it or do, does TikTok literally I, go? I think it's because so many people report it and also because these are the standards a lot of people live by now. They, there are a lot of people who genuinely do believe that if you don't want to date trans people, that means you hate them, which is so silly. You know, it's just a preference, which everyone has. I only like men. I don't hate women because I don't want to have sex with them. Right. It's illogical. <clears throat> Were you upset about it? No, TikTok's annoying. I was glad I didn't have to deal with it. If anything, it was just like a chore. I'm like, oh, I have to do dance videos what's your what what is your favorite platform hands down instagram really yeah i feel like i made the most um friends off instagram i feel like i connect with people better there i feel like the comments are a lot nicer because it's just like you know most of it is just pictures of me so mm. it's just like people saying oh you look pretty blah blah, blah. twitter is definitely my least favorite 
That's the most hateful. You can say you like dogs on Twitter and someone's going to be like, oh, so you rape dogs? Yeah, or they'll say, <laughs> oh, so you like to, um, you have something against cats? Yeah, oh, so you hate cats. <laughs> You're awful. That kind of thing. Exactly. Sky is blue. Oh, what do you mean? It's purple. What led you to believe but, it's but blue? It, it, but you keep doing it, Twitter. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do it more recently. I kind of was like, sometimes I can be super... Um, selfish in the sense of like if i don't want to do something i just don't do it but i realize like i have such a big audience on twitter and so yeah. many people that want to connect with me why would i deprive the people who are coming in good faith for the few that are coming in bad faith yeah i just been posting stuff about ukraine and that's mm-hmm. a that's a mess that'll get I mean, you into some heat too probably huh that'll get you into some heat too probably well i don't know i don't know if i have enough of a fr- a big enough frying pan for me right now i'm kind of like it's like i tweet i'm like hello is anyone there Hello, oh. <laughs> I'm not in the same uh, uh, crossfires that you maybe are in. You know, yeah, it'll yeah. Pro- maybe in a few years, and then someone will go back and look at my tweets and say, you know, Coach Mike was uh, said this or that. That happens. You know, do you use Facebook? Yeah, but it's more of like my throwaway one, where it's like if I posted it on Twitter, I'll just post it on Facebook too, kind of thing. Like Twitter comes first, and then Facebook. And then YouTube is where you make the money. Yeah, among right? other things. I do public speaking and, you know. What do you do public speaking on? Um, a lot of political stuff. So especially like now that we're in midterms, I'm the rest of the year is really booked up with like doing talks and events and panels and stuff like that. Do you have an agent that like books you? or how I do, you do all with- that myself, which maybe I shouldn't. But um, I try to be as independent as possible. I don't think anyone needs my money except me. You know, I don't think anyone needs to like if you can reach out to my agent you can reach out to me it's like you've had okay so you've had plenty of moments where you know people have been really nasty towards you online oh, really course. mean you get you get it daily comes with the territory comes with the territory and i know um people may get one hateful comment you know and it really spins them out or it really upsets them or they quit social media what advice do you have for someone who wants to be resilient through stuff that really is your uh vulnerability that they're hitting on yeah um i would say don't respect idiots you know (laughs) like if someone is really gonna tweet you some like crazy shit about how you're ugly or stupid or you're fat or whatever like they're stupid Mm. they literally are mindless individuals because i could never imagine being i've been in some dark places rewind the podcast episode i've talked about a lot of dark shit right i've never been in a bad enough space where i feel the need to like go on i don't know Lindsay lohan's instagram and be like you're a bitch right like that's some like dark stuff so um, don't respect people like that. Like the way I get through it is like, yeah, I have random people who hate me, but no one I respect doesn't respect me back. Mm. Everyone I respect really respects me. And that's people in my life and stuff, you know? Do you read the comments to get a sense of what's working and not? Yeah, yeah. And depending on the platform, I'll read more of them. Like I'll read every Instagram comment. I'll read 50% of YouTube comments. And then on Twitter, and this is going to sound bougie, but I'm really, that's not in my heart. On Twitter, I only check verified because the all mentions can get really ugly if you just click your mentions. I click my verified mentions just to know who's like, is someone like really worth talking to? Right. You know Do you what block I mean? people? Um, not really. I used no. to, but I don't even check my mentions on Twitter really. So I don't see anything worth blocking. If I did, I'm sure I'd be blocking people like block, 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 block. But, and what are your favorite type of videos to make right now? For um, YouTube? I like being funny lately because lately I'm just not taking life so serious. Hmm. And I think that's a big misconception about me. I think people think I take like myself very seriously because I talk about some really serious stuff. I never, th- I never thought that. Really? Looking, no, I never okay, thought. Okay, good. Maybe I'm. Maybe that's a misconception I have of people 
who have misconceptions of me. Yeah, no, I never thought you you were highly serious. Oh, I think thank God. like you'll literally make a video and you'll say you'll make a video and you'll say yes, bitch, that's me falling. Like you don't <laughs> you don't you don't yeah. seem uh, you seem like you have fun and you're able to talk about some really complicated issues and put a light spin on them and give it your own taste of it and um that's a coping mechanism i think yeah because you know i've done videos um for a while and i've stopped doing this lately maybe i'll get back into it but i did a lot of like exposing pedophiles videos where i would cover like youtubers who are pedophiles or like and that's really dark and it can really like negatively Mm. impact like to have to sit there and do all the research for the video script the video out how many times do i have to think about this person doing this you know just to cover it why do you think you got passionate about that um probably because i was raped you know it's Mm. like i i and then i can i think because my rape even though i'm over the trauma now there was a lot of trauma that came from it i can only imagine if it happened when i was a kid so i think that i have a particular hatred for people who do that to kids um rightfully so uh so i did those videos and it got really dark and i was like i'm spending too much time thinking about really this underbelly of society you know and even though they're important videos to do like if you are a pedophile you should definitely be exposed um it can be taxing to have to mentally interact with that content constantly what what would you say was the biggest mistake even though you accept everything and you are fine with everything because it's developed you into who you are today but when you look back at uh a mistake video where you went oh god what was i thinking or i thought i was really right on about this and then i realized um Hmm. wasn't really worth it maybe it was my ego or one that you just kind of it's thought. It's more so like I look back and like because I started when I was 22, I kind of like have grown up on the internet. Like that's such a – looking back, it's like such a young age to start yeah. being on the internet and being public. I think that I look back at like I've just done a lot of like cringy stuff, made a lot of jokes that didn't land, did a lot of like stupid things I look back and I'm like, why am I doing that? Like just dumb stuff. Got you it. Know, but nothing that you look back and think, oh, why did I do a video on that? Not necessarily because if it was worth it at the time, then it I, I kind of process it as like it was worth it at the time. Maybe it wouldn't mm. be worth it now, but it was worth it at the time. So really the 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 advice you have, which no one has ever given on this podcast, is if somebody comments um, on your post and you don't like what they have to say, how you flip the script is you just go, well, they're an idiot or they're yeah. dumb. I mean, consider the source as with anything. It's like, do you respect this person whose username is banana2001 calling you some kind of anti-gay slur or something? Yeah. Dr. Phil always says, uh, I have no interest in having strangers love me. And I agree with that. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, not that I don't respect the fact that so many people do love me online, you know, because sometimes you can focus on just the hate, which is not healthy, but you have to forget, remember that so many people do love you. Um, but I also consider the source of people who love me mm-hmm. online that don't know me. Because I'm like, just the same as this person saying they hate me, they don't know me. You love me? Well, you don't really know me either, you know? So the the opinions of people I value are people that are directly in my life. I'm thinking my closest friends, my family, my fiance, et cetera. My dog, you know? Right. If my dog hated me, that'd be sad. And why'd you move to Texas? Was it taxes and lifestyle? Uh, it was all or? the COVID stuff. I couldn't handle it. Couldn't yeah. handle the city being locked down every two months. Couldn't handle the masks. Couldn't handle the any of that. It was just too much. Had one too many panic attacks being at the Grove watching people with masks everywhere. I hated it. I like seeing faces. So I was just, fuck this. Sorry. No, it's all right. You can say fuck this. No problem. Yeah, I had to go to Texas. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. It's, it's cleared up now. 
you know, like as of a week ago, we could now do Equinox the gym, but yeah, before it, that, it feels, um, I've since moving to Texas, I've come back here twice, two times and, um, this is the most normal it's felt this trip. Yeah. yeah. It's gone back to normal. It feels like I've started to love part. LA again. Yeah. I was on the whole, I'm going to move to Miami. I don't know if I can keep doing this type of thing, but I now love LA. Like the weather, you can walk, yeah. it's fresh. And also how I live. It's just isolate. You know, I can, I can do my thing. So Blair, uh, what, uh, what else do you want me to plug? What else do you want me to tell everyone who listens about? that you have going on? What's most exciting? Your YouTube channel, your Instagram, everything? Just everything. Just, um, you can search me up and find me. I'm writing a book. I'm going to be, um, not on a tour for the rest of the year, but I'm going to be just doing a bunch of different dates to look out for different speaking events I'm doing. And, um, you know, I always do when I do speaking events, I like to do meetups with supporters that come out. So I will meet you if I'm at an event. I'm not going to just be backstage. I'll come say hi. Blair will meet you. She'll say hello. Do you give handshakes or hugs? I do hugs. She gives hugs, and uh, her dog may be along on this journey, so make sure you tune in and listen to what Blair has to say, and I find you, uh, as I said, very resilient and inspiring, and um, and we had a whole conversation, really not about politics at all, so I no, think <laughs> no, just really just about life, just about life in general, so uh, everyone listening, make sure to text me at 310-984-1858, 310-984-1858, I get all your text messages about the episodes that you love, and also all the questions that you have, it's the best way to communicate with me because all the other platforms make it impossible for me to communicate with you and make sure you're getting my messaging. So I absolutely love to text you and um, make sure to rate and subscribe. And until next time, keep it magical. Thanks, Blair. Thanks.